Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. big into the Apollo missions of NASA's moon era. And I remember listening to astronaut Alan Bean. He was talking about when he was walking on the moon, he said he was just, you know, walking along and having a good time and suddenly his ears popped. That's not a good thing to have happen when you're in a spacesuit. That means you've got a leak. What really ended up happening, there are hoses on the front of the spacesuit that cycle air to the backpack for cooling and, and circulation and his skin had got up against one of the intakes of one of those hoses and stopped it and he didn't know it so when he was walking he must have turned where he came off of that hose intake and then the air suddenly started to flow again which changed the pressure in his suit and caused his ears to pop he didn't actually have a leak but it scared him into thinking that his suit had lost its integrity its oneness if that space suit lost that integrity, then it would go and it would air out and he'd be dead. You lose the integrity, you're in big, big trouble. So anyway, I want you to keep that in mind today as we go into 1 Kings chapter 9 about God's second appearance to Solomon. In verse 1, and it came to pass when Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house and all Solomon's desire, which he wanted to do, that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time, as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your supplication that you have made before me. I have consecrated this house, which you have built to put my name there forever, and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Now, if you walk before me as your father David walked in integrity of heart, and in uprightness, to do according to all that I have commanded you. And if you keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever, as I promised David your father, saying, You shall not fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. But if you or your sons at all turn from following me and do not keep my commandments and my statutes, which I have set before you, But go and serve other gods and worship them. Then I will cut off Israel from the land which I have given them. And this house, which I have consecrated for my name, I will cast out of my sight. Israel will be a proverb and a byword among all peoples. And as for this house, which is exalted, everyone who passes by it will be astonished and will hiss and say, Why has the Lord done thus to this land and to this house? Then they will answer, because they forsook the Lord their God, who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt, and have embraced other gods, and worshipped them, 
and served them. Therefore, the Lord has brought all this calamity on them. Now, first off, I think a a good thing we should hear from this is the fact that the Lord actually hears our prayers. Every time I pray, every time I praise, to think that my voice goes from me and ascends all the way up to the throne of God where he actually hears it, that's amazing to me that he hears this. But also a warning was given given to Solomon here that if he or his sons did not keep their integrity, their oneness with following God, it's like my wife, she dedicates herself completely to me. I dedicate myself completely to her. We don't cheat and mess around with other people. So he was warned, if you or your sons did not keep their integrity with following God, that there's going to be some problems. Now, again, integrity means oneness. When you take a, let's say, for instance, a pie, you're baking a pie and you take it out of the oven, that pie, when you remove it, it has integrity because it's one whole piece of pie. But when you cut that pie in half, it loses its integrity because part of the pie is over here and part of the pie is over there. It's not one solid piece of pie anymore. So God wanted Solomon's line to obey him with integrity, with oneness. I want to take you ahead in time real quick from this point where we're at in 1 Kings 9, a couple of chapters up. Take a look at 1 Kings 11 verse 4. For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord, his God, as was the heart of his father David. The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. So even though God had appeared to Solomon two times now, here by chapter 9, Solomon still did not have the integrity that David did. Now, this is not about not sinning, because both of them sinned. David sinned and Solomon sinned. What God wanted from Solomon was to have integrity. Even though David messed up, he committed adultery, he committed murder. We remember that in the, in the study. David still remained devoted fully to the Lord God. I'm sorry, Lord God, I have sinned. I messed up. And he went and did the right thing after. He remained loyal. Now, since these terms of chapter 9 would be broken in chapter 11, God is going to, in the future at this point, he was going to send the Babylonians to conquer Israel later in 2 Kings chapter 25. Now, like I say, You can choose your sin, but you never get to choose the consequences that come along with it. The reason he sent these people to conquer them was so that other people would see that Israel had forsaken their God, the very God who had brought them out of Egypt. If Israel had truly appreciated what they had been given, then they would have given their best to the Lord rather than to forsake him. So now in these next verses, let's look to see which direction Solomon was starting to lean towards, towards God's way or away from God. Which way? Keep up with me in 1 Kings 9, verse 10. Now it happened at the end of 20 years when Solomon had built the two houses, the house of the Lord and the king's house. Hiram, the king of Tyre, had supplied Solomon with cedar cedar and cypress and gold as much as he desired that King Solomon then gave Hiram twenty cities in the land of Galilee. Then Hiram went from Tyre to see the cities which Solomon had given him, but they did not please him. So he said, What kind of cities are these which you have given me, my brother? And he called them the land of Kabul, as it is to this day. 
Then Hiram sent the king 120 talents of gold. Okay, now this is an interesting story here. The lower Galilee area is where Solomon's gift cities were, the cities that he gave him. But King Hiram saw them. He saw these cities, and he figured they were actually trashy. They, they just were not very nice. So that's why he was not happy with them. And so verse 13, it says that King Hiram called the region Kabul. Now, I'm not a Hebrew speaker. I don't know if I'm saying that 100% right. But Kabul, which in Hebrew means displeasing, or it means good for nothing or worthless. And so when King Solomon gave his gift to King Hiram, Hiram kind of took it as an insult. It's kind of like when you open up a present and it's just a pair of socks, you know, I mean, I mean who does that? Or you open up a gift and it, maybe it's a fruitcake. Uh, and you know what's funny? Now that I know I said this, I bet some of you that know me, I bet just one of you is thinking of sending me a pair of socks and a fruitcake soon. I'm, I, I, just, I just know it's going to happen. But when someone invests in you, because it says Hiram sent as much of the cedars he wanted Somebody invests in you. You're supposed to honor them. You do not honor your investors with hamburger patties and and pop tarts when you have ribeyes and cheesecake in the refrigerator. You should do better because you could do better. If you're capable of doing better, then you should do better to honor those who have invested in you. Now, both God and King Hiram both gave a lot of blessing to Solomon. They have both invested a lot into him. But because Solomon had the sin that was in his life, it produced itself outwardly as a lack of integrity. It's kind of like a half devotion. It's like, well, there, I gave you a gift, but you didn't give the best you could give. So from this story, we can see that Solomon had started to lose his integrity, his oneness towards those who had sowed into him. He was losing his integrity with the Lord God, and he had lost his integrity towards Hiram. And we were shown that he had lost his integrity in the way he gave these insult gift cities that Hiram didn't like because they were just, they were trash, ghetto towns. Now, the next passages speak about the labor force that Solomon had raised up to do lots of work. Solomon had some of them for doing work for the Lord, and some of the work was for doing things that the Lord told Solomon not to do. Now remember, integrity is oneness. So I want you to look for the lack of integrity that we're going to see in these next passages and how Solomon mixed his labor force to do some things that were good and some things not so good. So look for the lack of integrity in this passage here. 1 Kings 9 and 15. And this is the reason for the labor force which King Solomon raised to build the house of the Lord, his own house, the Milo, the wall of Jerusalem, Hazor, Megiddo, and Gezer. Pharaoh, king of Egypt, had gone up and taken Gezer and burned it with fire, had killed the Canaanites who dwelt in the city, and had given it as a dowry to his daughter, Solomon's wife. And Solomon built Gezer, lower Beth Horon, Baalath, and Tadmor in the wilderness in the land of Judah. All the storage cities that Solomon had, cities for his chariots and cities for his cavalry, and whatever Solomon desired to build in Jerusalem, in Lebanon, and in all the land of his dominion. All the people who were left of, very critical that you hear this, guys, in verse 20, all the people who were left of the Amorites, the Hittites, 
Perizzites, Hivites, and the Jebusites, who were not of the children of Israel, that is, their descendants who were left in the land after them, whom the children of Israel had not been able to destroy completely, from these Solomon raised forced labor, as it is to this day. But of the children of Israel, Solomon made no forced laborers, because they were men of war, and his servants, his officers, his captains, commanders of his chariots, and his cavalry. Others were chiefs of the officials who were over Solomon's work, 550 who ruled over the people who did the work. But Pharaoh's daughter came up from the city of David to her house, which Solomon had built for her. Then he built the millow. Now, three times a year, Solomon offered burnt offerings and peace offerings on the altar which he had built for the Lord, and he burned incense with them on the altar that was before the Lord. So he finished the temple. King Solomon also built a fleet of ships at Ezion Geber, which is near Eleth, on the shore of the Red Sea in the land of Edom. Then Hiram sent his servants with the fleet, seamen who knew the sea, to work with the servants of Solomon. And they went to Ophir and acquired 420 talents of gold from there and brought it to King Solomon. Okay, right there in verse 17, it says Solomon built Gezer after Pharaoh burned it down as a dowry for Solomon's wife. Solomon was commanded by God. Here's the problem here. He was commanded by God not to intermarry with non-Israelites. The reason he married this Egyptian woman was to establish a peace treaty with Egypt. That's the way they did it back then. Well, you know, this is the way man does it, so we'll do it. I'll marry her. You know, God had already told King David before that he was going to establish peace in Solomon's day, so Solomon did not need to break God's command to establish a man-made treaty. Solomon did not need to marry an Egyptian woman to establish peace because God already said that he was going to establish peace. Solomon should have left that peace process all up to God instead of breaking a commandment to establish peace his own way. But Solomon had used also this labor force to rebuild Gezer for a woman that he should have never married in the first place. He was told not to do it, and now he's using the workforce to build stuff for her. Do you see the lack of integrity here? Solomon was breaking the terms that Solomon had warned him about. God said, have integrity fully towards me. And Solomon is dividing his time to break the commandments of God and some of it to do the commandments of God. Now, even beyond all this, these various people groups that made up this labor force that we were told here, they were wicked people that God had commanded for Israel to destroy. Remember, it said the people that were left. Why did it say they were left? Because Israel was supposed to have killed them all. They're not supposed to be left. They're supposed to be dead. I want you to look at Deuteronomy 20, verse 17. says, You shall utterly destroy them, the Hittite and the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite, just as the Lord your God has commanded you, lest they teach you to do according to all their abominations, which they have done for their gods. And you sin against the Lord, your God. That's why they were supposed to kill these people, because they served false gods. They were wicked people that was going to corrupt Israel into following their their false gods. 
Solomon was not supposed to be keeping these people around to get free work out of them. They were supposed to be dead because if they were kept alive for any reason whatsoever, oh yeah, but we got a chore for them to do over here. Oh, they would be good to keep around to do this work. No, 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 no. You keep them alive at all, then they would cause Israel to forsake God and turn away. That's why he commanded them to be killed off. So again, let's recall the conditions that God said for Solomon. He said, if you walk before me with integrity, friends, with integrity, no leaks in your spacesuit, oneness, complete devotion. Now, Solomon was so busy. He was doing all this work, building houses, fleets of ships. It said he was making storage cities, which was uh, military outposts. He was doing it with this mixed workforce, including he had a mixed married life with an Egyptian woman that he wasn't supposed to be with. And all the while, in verse 25, it says he was making sacrifices to the Lord. Look at that. Part of Solomon was doing things for the Lord, and part of Solomon was not doing things for the Lord. Solomon was not walking with integrity, and it corrupted his judgment so badly that even Solomon's gifts were insulting. With all that Solomon had, he could have done better. Solomon was so rich, he had so much wealth, he could have done better than he did. Solomon should have given his very devoted, unified integrity best, and he didn't. This displeased King Hiram. And I, you know, remember the 20 cities that he gave him, they were dumps. Now, I want to show you a biblical account of what an insult gift looks like. In Genesis 4, verse 3, says, Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Abel did his very best to please the Lord God. But there was sin in Cain's offering because Cain did not give his best. Cain's offering, it was simply, what would you call it, a a discharge of duty? It was like he checked off a box. Okay, look, there, I gave, done, on to the next thing. And so basically, Cain's gift became an insult, and it really displeased the Lord, just like the 20 cities of Solomon displeased King Hiram. Much like how Solomon did not give his best, Cain did not give his best. Now, when you consider how much the Lord had given to Cain, he gave Cain life, he gave Cain a lot of things. You understand that Cain's offering should have been his very best. He just didn't put his best into it. The same went for King Solomon. After King Hiram had invested so much in him, King Solomon should have given Hiram his best. And friends, Jesus Christ, we have to understand that Jesus gave us absolutely everything. Jesus invested heavily to pay the way for our salvation. He died on the cross for us. He died a crucifixion death of torture and insult and ridicule and pain. He invested in you. So this brings up a question that we all have to ask ourselves. You need to ask yourself, am I giving to the Lord my best? Am I giving to the Lord what demonstrates integrity? Am I walking before Jesus with the level of integrity that he has made me capable 
of doing? Or am I just checking off boxes so I can say, there, I did something? Friends, that's an insult giving to the Lord when you act like that. You know, the other day I shared the gospel of Jesus with this young girl, and she said she liked it, but what kept her from wanting to receive it is because of her mother. She said her mother acted like a Christian at church on Sundays, the happy face, how you doing, all joyful. But when she got home, she abused her and her siblings. She she became an abusive person. If her mother had been whole, if she had been the same at church as she was at home, if she had been the same on both sides of the fence and had integrity, oneness, if she lived what she claimed, then her integrity would have won her daughter over to receive Jesus instead of reject him. And so those who live without godly integrity, Christian, you need to understand this. These kind of people, they go to church, you'll hear them praying, you'll even see them giving into the tithes and offerings, maybe you'll even see them singing in the choir. Remember, Cain gave, but it wasn't right what he gave. It wasn't his integral best. If their integrity is gone, then whatever they give to the Lord is an insult. It is an unacceptable gift. It is displeasing. Now, I'll tell you straight off, friends, I don't want that to be me. I don't want my giving to be rejected by the Lord God. I want to do my actual best before the Lord. I want him to be pleased with what I give him. I want him to be pleased with my service. I want this very podcast radio show to be pleasing to the Lord, so i got to put my very best in it. This also means that even when no one's watching me, I should not do things that I'm not supposed to do. I'm not supposed to be doing things that God commanded me, don't do this. I gotta have integrity. God told Solomon, he said, I took you from your bondage in Egypt, so serve me with integrity. Friends, the Lord has saved us from our own bondage, maybe not from Egypt, but he has saved us from the bondage of our sin, and it's only right that if we say we believe in Jesus, that we live it too, and we live it 24-7. Don't just live it at church. Don't just live it in front of the people where, where it's necessary to, and then you can go be a heathen dog in everywhere else. All of your busyness that you are into, building this and doing that, it doesn't mean anything if your integrity is shot. If I work my hardest to be the best pastor I can be, but when I'm not at church, If I'm doing all these terrible things, it's going to be found out. Nobody's going to listen to me anymore. And same with you. If you're going to be a Christian, you need to be a Christian. You need to actually do what God says and not do what he tells you not to do. You've got to have integrity. And all your busyness that you're into, I mean, look at Solomon. He was building this and that. If your integrity is shot, it doesn't mean anything. What you build and what you give is unacceptable and displeasing. Hear him should have received Solomon's very best. Friends, Jesus should receive our best. Now, I'll be the first to tell you, it literally scares me to put my preaching out over broadcast radio and podcasts. But the reason I do it also is because God has invested greatly into me, and he has made me capable of doing this. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set.